Welcome to Advance, a podcast devoted to helping strengthen church for gospel movement. I'm your host, Brian Moak, Vice President of Church Strengthening with Converge Men America. Today is episode three, and we're going to address the issue of preaching in relationship to a healthy church. You know, Scripture is clear that the proclamation of the Word is one of the most important things we do as a church. Acts chapter 2 speaks of it as one of the foundational pillars of the brand new Christian church. Paul encourages Timothy to not shrink away from preaching the truth of Scripture, and, and those are just to name two. However, in the midst of a myriad of things we need to be doing as pastors, sometimes the preaching ministry has taken a back seat. So to help us talk about this important issue of preaching, I've asked Pastor Jeff Dryden, pastor of a multi-campus Converge Mid-America Church in Michigan, to join us. Jeff has not only been an effective pastor for several years, he's become a major voice of the importance of the priority of preaching in our churches. So Jeff, hey, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. Yeah, Brian, thanks for asking me. I love the idea of uh, what we're doing here. I love uh, the subject you asked me to be part of. It's important to us. And I love the Converge family. We yeah. we work together and it's been an amazing group to be part of. That That's a good sort of uh, segue into my first question. And I just kind of like to have my guests give sort of a two-minute uh, version of their story. So give me the two-minute Jeff Dryden and Sawyer sort of story story? What's, what's been going on as it relates to your ministry there in Michigan? So I started in a parachurch uh, youth ministry, thought I'd do it all my life. Uh, youth for Christ, big program, Metro Chicago. It was excellent, but it folded for some of the reasons that are difficult for um, parachurch ministries. Mm -hmm. And um, a few years later, Sawyer Highlands reached out and called me to be a youth pastor and started a youth ministry. They had the same paradigm as really being in the high schools, reaching local kids, evangelizing, discipling. That's what some, I thought I'd be a youth pastor all my life. But that's really, I think, where I learned how to communicate God's word in terms of a culture. Uh, it was great. Uh, unplanned by myself, my wife and I, while we were on a short-term missions trip, sensed God's call to go to Romania uh, early on. And so we actually had some summer interns working with us. One of those over a two-year time period replaced us as the Lord released us to go and work in Romania, National Church. And there I was uh, really coaching youth ministry. That assignment finished and Sawyer Highlands called us back, uh, which we did not know. That was not pre-planned, but God did that. Uh, we're much thankful to him for it. And then I was pioneering our small group ministry. This would have been late 90s. So really what I did in youth ministry was now doing pastorally with adults, if you want to call it friendship evangelism, and um, discipling them. And that was probably three, four years. I'm trying to remember the years. But then uh, our lead pastor left, and I became the um, lead preaching pastor. I've been so for 20 years. So you count the years, but there's a lot of them in there in a lot of roles. And, and when did you uh, open up your second campus? Um, so in that 20-year period, I was involved in our coaching teams for planting. Uh, we, we raised up staff and uh, small group leaders and sent them out. Uh, Freshwater Church in Pawpaw came from us. We sent about five or six couples. Um, later on, we jointly, then together with Freshwater Pawpaw and us, sent some to Coloma, a town in between. 
And then in 2010, uh, in our conference nationally, I think there's a movement to pray, asking leadership to pray about planting a site or a church again in the next five years. We joined in that and, and, and sensed, yep, God's calling us to do that. Um, I thought it was going to be other staff people that would do it. It wasn't. And then my wife and I felt like, man, there's uh, God God would have that be us. So 2011, we actually moved 10 miles south to New Buffalo. And that's what, and, and had couples move with us also. And that's what opened up that campus uh, October of 2012. Very good. And I want to start with, you know, we're, we're familiar in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You know, there is this uh, conflict. You know, even the early church had conflict, right? And, uh, and, and so they needed to do something about that. And they said, hey, we want the elders to focus on two things, the word and prayer. And, uh, and, and so we're given that call to prioritize as pastors the word and prayer. So just from a diagnostic perspective, how are we doing as pastors with the word part? Great question. It's a big question. So I, I wouldn't say that I am qualified to evaluate the church in general. I called and will give an account for the one that I'm serving in. Yeah. So I can probably speak to that better, but we all understand, man, we have more pressures on us than we've ever had. And, um, yeah, we just do. And so I think it's easy to let this one slide, though I have never met a pastor, Brian, that would have ever wanted to be sloppy with the word. Hmm. Now, any pastor I talk with does want to bring the word faithfully. Now, what that means, guys would have different expressions of, of that particular thing. Um, I am one. Uh, I've, so I've been preaching pastor for 20 years you know, youth ministry before that, but I I would be of the opinion that I think expositional preaching, a main diet of that, in the long run, strengthens the church most. Hmm. Uh, we do series occasionally. Uh, all of us are going to do them. We want to do them Bible-based. Right. But when I say exposition, I do think um, this is our habit, going into a particular book. And so I'm actually praying probably a year ahead of time Lord, what, what's going on with us as a church? What would you have us do? But I get, a, I get a long view of this. And again, I've been in this church a long time. But here's where I'd want to challenge us to think. Um, many of us are trying to get the thing that we need right now to the people right now. And that's good and important. But I think in the long view, how we handle the word demonstrates something to our people. And I think expositional preaching demonstrates a, a trust that God will speak through his word. And while I think every pastor will probably say that, how I live that out demonstrates it more. Yeah. And I, I think we feed people better by doing it that way over the long haul. And what we all want to do is we want them to be students of the word themselves, yeah. not just to be good listeners of sermons. And, and isn't it, just, just to say too, and that is, uh, you know, sermons are supposed to be dialogical, right? And, and if we're not careful, it's almost easier to make them monological. In other words, we're just going to be speaking at you. Yeah. But, but the art of preaching yeah. that, that, that sort of says this, how, how am I going to create this in such a way that it creates a dialogue, even yeah. if it's just mentally yeah. uh, within the people? Well, I'd actually say that's changed in my preaching over the, the last 10 years that I now ask questions when I preach. And so they tend to be rhetorical, but why would I do that? I'm trying to get people to think with me. And the questions I'll ask will sometimes be of the text. 
because I want them seeing it there. Yeah. Why do we say it that way? What's going on here? Sometimes it'll be in terms of application. So, you know, in terms of preaching size, our, you know, the different uh, spots we have, you know, one venue is about 250, the other one about 150. And it's interesting that I'll ask an obvious rhetorical question, but there's occasional one to get responses back. Yeah. I actually enjoy that. Yeah. But it's your dialogical part. That's I, I think it's uh, an important skill to develop. Everybody's got a different voice. Yeah. But we want to take our people with us. And I want to take them with me through the text and then what, what we see it saying. That's what That's I want to good. do. I didn't give you this question, so I'm going to try to stump you here a little bit. Um, I just thought of this. And this is something I think is so critical is tell me, is, is there a difference between preaching and teaching? And if there is a difference, what is that difference? Yeah, it's interesting. That one gets debated a lot of times. So you, well, I'll give you my answer. Maybe it's a stumper. Um, so I don't know that I would fine tune it that much, but I would say this way. I want, say this way. in my preaching, I want to make sure that I'm teaching people how to read and understand the word. Hmm. That's good. And and if they're just listening to a very good expositional sermon, which is faithful to the text, has good relevant application to them, and that's it, I think I haven't done all my work. Hmm. But I want to do it in such a way that I'm not wowing them with my study, but I'm actually showing them how we see these things so that they could gain confidence in reading the word themselves. So it's interesting, your opening question about uh, coming from Acts 6, we're talking here a lot about preaching, but this task that we have as preachers is not defined only in the, the preaching part because a ministry of the word is bigger than in that. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just launching Bible studies, but I think the way in which I preach and what happens around that I can really um, help people to learn the word. So. I think for most of us, you know, Sunday morning or whenever our service is, that's the main time people are tuning in, gathering in. So leveraging that time of the word is important. So lots of guys do that different ways. But I would just say um, it's it's a both and. Yeah, that's good. That's that. Thank you for that. Hey, I just uh, watched a documentary the other day on Amazon Prime on the life of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And, you know, there's there's a couple of guys in history, I think, that are sort of noted as um, they had the art of preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think Tozer was that and certainly Spurgeon was that. And and Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was was one of them. And I hadn't really uh, learned much about him. So it was very fascinating to go through that. But watching that documentary reminded me that preaching is really an art form. Uh, it, it really is an art form. And Jones's sermons were so well crafted, as a matter of fact, that they all became classic books. And, you know, I'm not really sure that many of our sermons would be book worthy, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and so I guess my question in all of that is, has the art of preaching changed? And and maybe alongside that, how should we view preaching in the year 2020? You know, that was that was back in the in in the early to mid 19 1800s. And so everything was different then. So um, th th hopefully that makes sense. Has the art of preaching changed and how should we be viewing preaching in 2020? 
Yeah, great question. So let's stay with the art metaphor. Just think of art. Has art changed? I mean, there's different forms of art. And uh, partly what we're trying to do is, you know, we, we exegete the word, exegete the culture. So I think there's a responsibility there. Um, but you're going to have different opinions on this one. Let me say it this way, I guess. Uh, I think we all, we all need to develop our skill. We'll all develop that art a particular way. We don't have to imitate someone else. I think we can definitely learn from others. But I think knowing your own voice and the voice God has given you is probably the most important thing. And it's pro as a pastor, that's probably true in everything. How has God made me? How do I live out of that? How do I do that preaching? Uh, one, I'll say this one way, one mistake that I think I made early on and I see younger preachers doing, especially ones that are, have, have good education and want to get the text faithfully, is they talk too fast. Yeah, I talk too fast all the time. But in preaching, I think we want to slow it down. We want to make it clear. And we want to bring people with us. How do we bring them with us? Lots of ways to do it. So, of course, a lot of people are going to talk about all the visual things that go on. Um, I think, I think mm -hmm. visual is important in some ways, but I wouldn't overstate it. Jesus is doing it with word pictures. Um, I would say I'm probably old school by my age. Um, because my age, I can get away with it in some ways. But uh, what I've found people responding to often, which is very interesting, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I've done it because I know, oh, this will work. It's more how I think. Hmm. I've tended to do object lessons more than put things on screens. People are used to think, seeing things on screens. But for me, I'm, look, nobody can see this podcast, but I talk with my hands. I move. Um, I actually have a bad back in my no, bad vertebrae. So I don't stand still when I preach. I move. And so when I have an object, it also tends, I manipulate. I mean, I, I, I work with it. So it tends to be a little more engaging. Now, I didn't learn that from someplace. I more stumbled across it. It's what I do. But later I had people of different ages. Actually, one guy, and, and one guy was actually not like one of my fans. I'd say he's more one of my critics. Was, Man, I remember the sermon you preached 10 years ago. I remember this illustration. but And it's what it illustrated. Hmm. So I object lessons is something that I've heard back from various ages have been helpful. Um, though, Brian, I don't walk in going, I got to get an object lesson. I got to get whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to use this phrase. We got to take our people with us, yeah. however it is. And people will do that, develop that art or that skill differently. Hmm. Know what you do. Don't do it too fast. But again, you want to be faithful to the text. So the questions I've learned, what does it say? Why is it saying this? And that why tends to be uh, the transformational intent of the passage. And that's what I want to unpack for people, those hmm. Those two things. Oh, that that's good. I um, I've heard it said that it takes ten thousand hours to master uh, a, a talent or a, a skill, and certainly preaching is that that sort of thing. And no matter what it is, it it takes time, it takes effort, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I know one of the worst things to do is to watch yourself preach. Yep. Um, and, but it's, it's incredibly important yeah. because we learn, I, I used to talk about speaking too fast, just already in this podcast, I'm like, oh my goodness, Brian, you got to slow down a little bit in your talking. So we all have those sorts of things that we need to get better at. So 
we need to recognize that we need to improve our preaching. I don't care if we're starting out or if we've been at it for 30 years. It's mm -hmm. we need to master our craft. So mm -hmm. kind of as we sort of begin to close out, I want to make sure in all these episodes that we give people sort of a hook to sort of hang on something that they could take with them. And so what would be, uh, you know, a couple of things that we should be thinking about in terms of improving our preaching? Well, I think you said the number one. I think if we watch ourselves, and it's painful, <laughs> if we'll be disciplined to do it, we'll self-correct a lot of things. That's, pro that's probably the number one. You could do things, we actually right now with the three preaching pastors, we got a whole sermon feedback team. We have some questions that we're responding to. And I'm, I'm receiving the feedback also. Carefully selected people, committed to the church, going to give, but it's, it's a wide range. That's, that's been a good process, but I would say watching yourself, making yourself do that. And, you know, if you're, if you got a team and you're sitting down, just letting someone else reflect back on what they've done is, is I, I think a lot of improvement would happen right there. Isn't it, isn't it a little scary? Cause man, when you, when you put together a sermon, um, it's, it's your baby. You know, I mean, you've, you've lived in it, you've struggled through it. And, and now you're going to let someone come in and evaluate how you did. Mm -hmm. So, um, how do you how do you remind yourself that? And maybe it's an obvious question, but how do you remind yourself that this isn't your baby? Yeah, exactly. This, so, preaching is never about us, right? It, this is actually about we we want to bring the truth of the word. We want people to see Jesus as glorious. And I am not a good evaluator of myself. I always think I'm more clear than my wife does. <laughs> or whoever, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Oh, it's because, totally clear to us, yeah. Or it's my sermon, I put all these hours in it, so I knew where I was going, and I said whatever, I did whatever. It's really helpful to hear how that came out, how people heard it. One reason, I think we got 24 people, we had carefully constructed questions, but it's just interesting to hear back. And it's it's sharpening me, Brian. It's been good. Yeah, that's great. Hey, I know that you are not a guy who is just simply, I'm doing one thing and I'm going to keep doing it. You are always looking to what is God calling me to do, and you are involved in a couple of really exciting things. I want to focus on one in particular, because I think that it has value. It's already having value to some of our guys in Converge. But tell us just in, in 60 seconds, tell us about the Fellowship of the Word this, this group that is specifically trying to help our pastors, how, how can our listeners find out more about it? And, and, you know, what is it and how can they find out more? So you could simply Google fellowship of the word. That'll get you the basics. But honestly, Brian, if I spent 30 minutes, I wouldn't explain it well enough. It's something you, you have to experience. And so I'll, I'd say it this way. It helps me hone in the skills. I've already been taught good hermeneutics. It helps me actually practice them. Hmm. And I've become, so this, this asking good questions, I've become better at it just from being in a, in a I'll use the word, a cohort hmm. of the word group. So they're basically four-year groups. You meet twice a year. Uh, we dive into a whole book of the Bible. There's eight hermeneutical principles that are very simple that we teach but it, you are not listening to a lecture. It's a workshop. You're participating. There's peer critique, and that can be difficult. And I got to tell you, I'm busy. Every pastor I know is busy. I'm too busy to be involved. I, I've become way better at communicating the word. All our staff is in one. 
we got a bunch of guys in Michigan, a bunch of Converge guys, and they're the ones that promote it. One of our church planners says, I'm doing this with everyone in our church. I think every church planner should go through it. Um, so I'm involved in that ministry extensively, both in the U.S. side, but I'm also doing this um, internationally in um, uh, underdeveloped countries. Actually, the region that I that I work in particularly is persecuted church and they're all Muslim background. So there's a, long, there's a lot of stories there, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, thanks uh, so much. Um, you know, at each of these episodes, I want us to be able to close out our time by having our guests just pray a prayer blessing on our pastors. Would you be uh, willing to close us that way? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, there's not one of us listening to this that would say that we are adequate in and of ourselves. We know our weakness and we probably don't know it to the extent that it actually is. But God, for some reason, you've chosen to demonstrate your power in our weakness, and you love to do that. You've chosen to call us to the preaching of your word. Yeah. And so on the one sense, we humbly come before you because we know we're not adequate. On the other hand, you've called us, and so willingly we offer ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in the study and yet not depend on our study that every time we walk into that place of preaching or any conversation we walk into where it might be someone we can share you with, God, that we would walk in with dependence on you and we're trusting the Holy Spirit. And God, I ask for an empowering of your Holy Spirit to come upon us as preachers again and again and again. I find myself on Sunday mornings as I'm calling out to you for help on that Sunday to pray for brothers those that I remember and see and others, that your word would come and that you would communicate yourself, that you would open up hearts to your word and give us ears to hear, ears to hear you, O oh God. And I pray that you would bless all those who listen to this, bless Converge pastors in that way so that the glory of Jesus is seen and embraced and lived throughout your church more and more until Jesus comes back. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Jeff. Hey, I want to uh, invite you all in our next episode. We're going to talk about the importance of prayer as it relates to church health. I know if there is something close to a universal struggle in our churches, it is making prayer a vital and active part of our ministries. So how do we make prayer a matter of first priority in our churches and in our lives as pastors and leaders. I promise you're not going to want to miss that episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to this channel and check out our website, advancethechurch.org. Advanced Podcast is a ministry of Convergement America. Our mission is to start and strengthen churches that exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. If you'd like to learn more about Convergement America, visit our website at convergementamerica.org.